The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Good morning, Good morning. again. <laughs> we are continuing our series on prosperity. Well, actually, today's the completion of it. It's the final Sunday of our Adventures in Prosperity, and it's nice to be here with you, Reverend Josh, to share it's the an stage. It's honor to share the stage with you. Thank you. We always have fun speaking together because it's always so amazing to do some planning. We don't just show up here and talk, and we talk a little bit, but then there's these elements of sweet surprise that show up. Happy accidents. Happy accidents, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. And today, uh, so our theme, just to, to recap in case you haven't been here for a few weeks, our theme for this year's Adventure and Prosperity has been keys to our future, our lives, our church, our world. And we have been talking about abundance in its many forms. And today, uh, our topic is how we belong to one another, how we belong to each other. And uh, belonging is a powerful, powerful aspect of an abundant life. And so in the, in the newspaper world and journalism, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bury the lead right now. So the, the key thing in my mind is that belonging begets abundance because with a sense of belonging, we feel as though we are enough and that we have enough and we experience and step into enoughness in our life because we have a sense of belonging, belonging to the universe, belonging to our lives, belonging in our relationships, belonging in our communities, belonging in our world. And that belonging is a very peaceful, anchoring feeling. And for some of us, that's been a, a huge challenge for our lives. Recently, my husband and I were coming home from having breakfast and as we drove through our neighborhood, we saw uh, a little tiny girl uh, out kind of in the street trying to get into a car. And it appeared as though no one else was nearby. So we pulled over and I got out of the car and went up to her immediately and took her hand and got her out of the street. She was just wearing a, a shirt and a diaper, no shoes. She was a cute little blonde thing who appeared to be maybe two, three years old. And I held her hand and I said, I, I talked to her. I'm saying to her, honey, where, where's your family? Where do you live? And she wasn't very verbal yet. And so she was speaking, but I couldn't quite understand her. And she was shivering. And so uh, we got, I got into the trunk and got something to wrap her in. And at that point, she was reaching up and I picked her up and I was holding her wrapped in the blanket as she shivered and, and she was trying to tell me things and I was trying to get her to tell me where she lived and what her name was and she was kind of fascinated with me and she was playing with my hair, you know, and, and just holding this little girl shivering in my arms and feeling this desire to support her and all this is going on while my husband is in the car calling 911 saying, we found this little girl. There's no one around. And she can't seem to show me where her house is. She's pointing at the sky and at the trees and everything. And so I thought, well, we're just going to see how this plays out. And eventually, after talking to her for a little while, an older girl came running out of a house right behind us and said, oh, Brooklyn, there you are, and looked at me and said, she is a little escape artist, and she got out of the house. And so... Brooklyn seemed to know her, and so we gave Brooklyn to her. The police still came and did a well check to make sure everything was okay in that household. But I left that day 
feeling this kind of haunting feeling. I can still feel little Brooklyn clinging to me and shivering on my on my hip and I can still feel that feeling of wanting to help her get where she belonged. And it kind of confirmed what I've said for years is that for me the children of our world belong to all of us. The the children belong to all of us. Our children here at Mile High Church belong to all of us. The children in the world. And we can go there. Our hearts can probably open up most of us to say, yeah, if I found a lost child, I'd, I'd help them get back to where they belong too. And there's also something that happens for us in this conversation that touches us deeply, I think, because a lot of us as children didn't have an adult like Ken and I got to be for Brooklyn that day. And maybe we weren't lost in the street with no shoes on, but we may have been lost in our family, or we may have been lost in the school system, or we may have been lost in our circle of friends at different points in our lives, or lost in, in uh, feeling a sense of belonging for ourselves because we felt we weren't acceptable or lovable or we weren't enough, that we haven't always felt that sense of belonging, like who I am is okay and I belong. And that wound is something that we carry with us now out into our world as we go and and get jobs and seek out partners and seek out friends and seek out things that we want to experience in our life all the while with this, this sometimes very deep sense of I want to belong but I'm not really sure that I do. And so a huge part of the the work that we do in this teaching is to help one another to reclaim and regain that inherent sense of belonging. And so it starts a lot with a conversation about the nature of God. Some of us grew up in spiritual teachings where we were told we didn't belong because we weren't good enough, we weren't holy enough, we weren't sacred enough, we weren't well-behaved enough. I don't resemble that remark at all. whatever it might be. And so we've even got this spiritual wound, like, do I belong to God? Do I belong to the universe? And so we're seekers, 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 all the while for that sense of belonging. And we help each other to to regain that. And ultimately, this work is very personal And it's very sacred and holy because the place where we most have to reconnect our belonging is to ourselves. Because in this dance of belonging, as we bought into stories of people who told us we weren't enough or showed us we weren't enough or who betrayed us or who abandoned us or who rejected us or whatever, we reject ourselves. And so we essentially buy into that story, I'm not enough, and we reject ourselves and abandon ourselves. And a huge part of this work of regaining that sense of belonging is to begin to stop abandoning myself. In my most painful moments, in my most powerful moments, to stop abandoning myself and begin to step into full-on acceptance of who I am and where I've been and where I've come from, acceptance of my story, acceptance of my body, acceptance of how I show up, acceptance of who I choose to love and how I choose to live and where I choose to live and what I choose to do in the world, 
acceptance. And we are the only ones who can ultimately restore that to ourselves. No one else can do that for us because the world of effects and relationships is, is fraught with moments where we'll feel disconnected depending upon the story we have about whether we belong or not. And so it's about, in our lives, regaining that acceptance. In her book, In Braving the Wilderness, The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone, Brené Brown says to us, belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. So in our lives, it's about accepting ourselves totally and completely and being about that dance, accepting ourselves warts and all. And right, it's quite Reverend the dance. <laughs> it yes. is quite the dance. That, uh, is it a jig or a tap dance? <laughs> <laughs> all the above. Yes, I'm still practicing. Yeah, me too. But, uh, first mm-hmm. of all, I'm so grateful that you and Ken were yeah. in the right place at the, at the right time. And me too. It, it's, it's funny to think that sometimes it takes um, a little bit of courage to do the compassionate thing for someone, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of kindness to put ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Norman Lear, the television icon, he has a... Uh, an ideal bumper sticker, which would say, just another version of you. That's all that, that's all that I am, is just another version of you. And I can't help but think, too, in a sense that that, you know, in talking about belonging, that that little girl was, was just another version of you yes. as well. And it was this demonstration of your um, spiritual maturity and your, your growth to be able to, to give her that love. And when we do the work on ourselves, we're able to help others uh, in, in incredible ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your, your quote, or, or to sum up what I hear you, you saying, is that the the key to belonging um, doesn't begin with the acceptance of others of us, but begins with our own self-acceptance, not just at a personal level or a social level, but but I think a a spiritual level too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every week here, uh, we try to create an environment of warmth uh, and a community of joy. Uh, We try to express uh, unconditional love and kindness to one another. And we do that not just because we want to be a good church, but because we believe that expresses the nature of God, the nature of the the sacred. We want everyone here to have an experience of the holy uh, every week. And yet, something that I've learned in my own life is that I believe unconditional love is always all around me, and yet I can only experience it to the degree that I'm willing to accept myself. That little space within where I'm finally able to acknowledge myself as a child of God. Uh, I believe that, that God's acceptance is, is always around me, but I only experience that acceptance to the degree that I'm, I'm willing to accept myself, to be in those vulnerable places, to let God love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shows up in community as well. Uh, I've found that it's only when I've been able to really accept myself that I've really begun to experience the acceptance of, of others. You know, we, we all teach that we're all one here, uh, but that doesn't mean that some of us are more fun to hang around with than others. <laughs> 
and, and perhaps, you know, what I'm trying to say is that people who, who know themselves, who accept themselves, warts and all, are, are often the type of people uh, we most admire, yes. um, even if they are uh, willing to be vulnerable in their flaws. Mm-hmm. I love something that Carl Rogers, the great therapist, pointed out. He said, that, that thing in each of you that you might be most afraid to share with another person, most timid about expressing, is the very thing that if you expressed it would resonate most with others. There's something when we're willing to express our uniqueness that helps create the the grandness of of community. And, And so it's about belonging to ourselves, belonging to spirit and this world that we live in. I am a child of God. I belong here. This is where I'm supposed to be. And as we do that, we're able to move into a deeper experience of community, that it's not just about trying to get along with one another. It's about creating something beloved and meaningful for ourselves and for our children. Uh, A great man passed away this last month named Jean Vanier. And Jean Vanier uh, was the son of a Canadian diplomat. And he had a pathway to do anything that he wanted to in his life, even a pathway to perhaps be the the prime minister of Canada one day. And when he was in his young adulthood, he was exploring his spirituality, and he eventually found himself touring a home for disabled people. Uh, And he realized quite quickly that it wasn't so much a home as it was a prison, that these were um, younger people who had been made to feel that they were outcasts in society that they didn't belong. They weren't even allowed to communicate with with each other. And so they were being kept from knowing the truth of of who they are, uh, and and it broke his heart. And I love our our positive philosophy and this idea that we find our our calling in the midst of a rainbow and light shining. (laughs) But the truth is, for for most of us, we find our calling when our soul is so offended, Mm -hmm. when we look around us and our hearts are so broken that that we know uh, that if nobody else is going to do what we know is right, we're going to step in and be a presence for it. And and Vanier um, dedicated his life to creating uh, communities for the disabled, for the developmentally challenged, um, all over the world called L'Arche, which is a word for ark, this idea of, of Noah's ark carrying on life. And, and, and what he did for these kids and these adults is, is restored a sense of dignity, uh, to let them know that they have something of value to offer not only themselves, but to the world around them. And I can't think of, of any greater work to do. And he was an expert on community, and I brought a quote of his I really love. He said, one of the marvelous things about community is that it enables us to welcome and help people in a way we couldn't as individuals. When we pool our strength and share the work and responsibility, we can welcome many people, even those in deep distress, and perhaps help them find self-confidence and inner healing. That's the power of community. That's the power of every week here at Mile High Church, this idea that we can not only create a space for ourselves, but for everyone around us uh, to to have a deeper, more profound experience of community. Mm -hmm. Very profound. I agree with you. That's what drew me into church is that, and what draws me here back and time and time again is that opportunity to be here and discover my authentic self and find that I can be who I am here and be loved and accepted. I, w- I was reminded by uh, your, your quote earlier from Carl Rogers of a good friend of mine named Amy who often would greet me with a, a big hug and then would step back or would say in groups, look me in the eyes and say, what is it 
it you don't want me to know about you today? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Yes. But I found in the meeting the challenge of answering her question honestly and authentically that there's a bond between Amy and me that is lifelong, though she still lives in Arizona and I live here. We uh, have a friendship and I felt accepted and loved. And actually, by speaking those words and telling somebody that which I was concerned about, felt as though I had returned myself to myself because all the while, that which I didn't want to tell her, I was kind of ferreting off to the side, you know, mm-hmm. and not yeah. letting have its way. And, you know, I think the, the key to belonging is, is self-acceptance, but it's also about overcoming the illusion that in order to belong, we must be a perfect person. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, especially within community. Mm-hmm. Uh, G.I. Uh, Gurdjieff, a, a, a spiritual teacher from the last century, used to have communities. And there's a story that was told about him that there was a member of their community who, who was really ornery kind of a stinker and uh, would take stuff and always argue and talk too long and a real pain in the butt. And and one day he had an argument with some people and he took off. And so everyone was like, yes, he's gone. Uh, But Gurdjieff went chasing after the man, brings him back in, and everyone's mad at their spiritual teacher. So they sit them down and say, what are you you doing? It's time for him to go. And he said, folks, you don't understand. This man is like yeast for bread. How would we ever learn anything about kindness? or patience or compassion without him. <laughs> and, and, and the point is, is that uh, perfect community isn't a community that's made up of, of perfect people. Uh, perfect community is something that imperfect people come together to strive for. Mm-hmm. Uh, true listening to one another. Mm-hmm. Real, authentic dialogue. Respectful argument. Uh, connection and celebration, realizing that when we walk into a place like this, all of our, our titles, all of our uniqueness, as wonderful as, as it is, isn't as important as, as being a, an expression of, of divinity. Mm-hmm. And as we celebrate it in ourselves and in one another, we create that experience for each other that helps us all to grow. Yes. And it seems like sometimes in church, church life, this whole experience is made a little more challenging because we look around at each other and think church people shouldn't behave like that. (laughs) Whatever that is. And it seems like those challenges are made worse because of our judgments. And yet we're here to do this holy sacred work with each other even when someone is like this gentleman in Gurdjieff's group. Mm I may have been that someone once yeah, or twice. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> to tell you a story about a friend of mine. <laughs> so we get to practice belonging in our lives and in our church, too. We get to practice this work together. And we also get to practice it in the world, as we've already been pointing a little bit to. And as, as Reverend Josh has pointed out, This holy, sacred work of oneness that's a cornerstone of what we believe and teach and many of the traditions in the world believe and teach, it's not all rainbows and candy grams, is it? It's just not. You know what Tony Soprano said? What? He said, I get it. Every day is a gift, but does it have to be a pair of socks? (laughs) (laughs) Balance. Stinky socks sometimes even. Stinky (laughs) socks, yes. Very good. So... What I experience in oneness is that there is this element of it that is mystical 
and magical and connecting and awesome and amazing. But we don't get to have that experience of oneness while rejecting the parts of us that we dislike or wish would go away or while rejecting what's going on in the world. We don't get to do that because when we are in this place of oneness and then we look at ourselves and our lives and with with judgment, disdain, anger, uh, uh, resentment or we look at other people or other situations or look at the things going on and, and I know that we feel sometimes helpless and hurt and and just our hearts are broken open by the violence that we see that goes on in the world and the the inhumanity to other humans and our hearts are broken open and so what we might tend to think is the way to get around that is to reject it, judge it, scream and shout about it, which are our strategies for a little bit, for sure. It's not wrong to do that for a little bit. But ultimately, uh, some of us also push it away. Well, I just won't look at it. I'll just ignore it, which people think might be the crux of our teaching. But the reality is, in spiritual maturity, oneness includes all of that, is inclusive, such that we begin to see ourselves as a change agent or a contributing presence even to those elements that we see in ourselves and others and our world that we don't like or we wish were different. That becomes then an opportunity to practice true belonging because what happens is that when we reject and push those away, We can't feel our inherent oneness and we don't then have a sense that we belong to the universe or that they belong to the universe or that they belong in our world, whoever they may be, or that that disowned part of ourself doesn't belong in our universe. And therefore, we have a crisis of belonging. But when we, through this this very sacred element of oneness, open our broken heart with compassion and, and allow ourselves to to be present to that pain or suffering or anguish that we see going on, some of us will then choose to get up and go take action or we'll choose to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray again. I'm, I'm fond of saying when I see something like that, I can do something or I can pray something. And that takes that helpless feeling away that allows me to reconnect with that other being that I see going through whatever they're going through and it allows me to restore my own sense of oneness and connection. I can always do something or pray something. And I actually see it as my spiritual practice that if I turn on the news and I see some story or I come across something that I know that comes into my awareness, that it hasn't done that by accident, that that's my holy sacred work then, to send my love, my light, my prayers, my, my highest intentions for those beings or group of beings or that situation and restore not only my sense of their belonging here, but to restore my sense of belonging in the universe. In a way, what I said earlier about how all the children belong to all of us, that's what we're talking about. The child and you and me and, and Josh, we belong to each other. And we get this holy, sacred chance to 
demonstrate that in the greatest experiences we can have as humans and in our greatest challenges and restore ourselves to the God of our being. Reverend Josh pointed out that Ernest Holmes, in his wonderful book, This Thing Calls You, says to us, you belong to the universe in which you live. You are one with the creative genius back of this vast array of ceaseless motion, this original flow of life. You are as much a part of it as the sun, the earth, and the air. There is something in you telling you this, like a voice echoing from some mountaintop of inward vision like a light whose origin no man has seen, like an impulse welling up from an invisible source. Your soul belongs to the universe. Your mind is an outlet through which the creative intelligence of the universe seeks fulfillment. We belong to one another. We belong. We belong. We belong. To one another. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.